When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm back! Yay! Yeah, gotta play the play the uh, sound, the claps. Oh, oh, where, 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 where are my claps, guys? I'm out of practice on this. Yay! We're back, guys. I was in Sydney, Australia, for like an awesome, awesome, great trip uh, with my boyfriend to meet his whole family and get around, you know, Sydney and check things out. Went to Bathurst for those of you who uh, live in Australia or are familiar and. Now we're back and we're going to talk about all the things that have happened since I've been gone for the most part and the Grammys, which, you know, everything I've learned about the Grammys today, I've learned against my will because my entire For You pages, all of my different social media has just been inundated with Grammys drama and everybody's different take. I don't think we can have an award show without there being some type of drama that is set in motion afterwards for people to talk about. I think they feed on these things, which we're gonna get into a little bit of Grammy stuff, talk about a woke kindergarten that for some reason has low test scores. I wonder why that's happening. Get into a little bit of Black History Month TikToks and that much more. But before that, I have to introduce Taylor in Nashville. Hey, hey, yeah, sorry, I skipped ahead a little bit there, but are you kind of like, does it feel weird, a little nervous? Like it's been two weeks since we're live stream. I'm like, something's bound to go wrong. We tested everything like usual, but I don't know. I'm a little, got a weird feeling about this. So bear with us guys if anything crazy happens. (laughs) Yeah, I always feel so out of practice, even though we do this all the time, even just a two week break, you feel like, oh, I don't know if I remember how to do this anymore. (laughs) Like what if I run out of things to talk about? But no, you guys will be here through it all. You did say we would cover every single thing that happened when you were gone so we may be here for uh seven hours yeah well, let's correct but. me and we're not gonna cover every single thing that's happened when i'm gone uh just a, just a few little little sprinklings of stories now we are gonna start off with the grammys and like i said everything i learned about the grammys i've learned against my will it's just been all over every single timeline that i have on my phone today and we're gonna start off with taylor Swift, guys, my last video was about Taylor Swift, and I said, I don't want to talk about this girl no more on this channel. (laughs) I do not want to talk about Taylor Swift anymore. I feel as though her name is everywhere all the time, and virtually for no reason. People are talking about her swaying the election. They're talking about new music that uh, she has coming out. Now they're talking about the Grammys and a snub of Celine Dion, which we're going to talk about. The gays are mad. Let me just say this. I went on TikTok today, and the amount of gay men that I saw who were coming after Taylor Swift because of what she did to Celine Dion. We'll put that in air quotes as we get into this story. It was unbelievable. It's like she committed a hate crime against them. Quite honestly, I think this is worse uh, than committing a hate crime against the gay community with how they have reacted. Now let's break down the story here. Taylor Swift receives an award uh, for album of the year and surprisingly and shockingly, Celine Dion comes out to give the award out. Now the whole crowd was shocked by this. 
this. And quite honestly, I was shocked by this because we were getting reports as if Celine Dion was knocking on death's door. I don't know if you guys remember this, but for a little while, all these stories were coming out saying Celine Dion has completely lost control of her muscles. For those of you who don't know, she suffers from stiff person syndrome, which uh, can eventually lead to you of course, losing control of your muscles. So I don't think anybody was expecting Celine Dion to come out and give this award. But when she did, she read the name Taylor Swift. Now, in the moment that this award was given out, I'm gonna let you guys watch a little replay here. And you tell me if you can figure out what she did wrong. She goes up on the stage, she grabs the award, Celine Dion claps, and Taylor goes on to give her speech. Now, as I said, the gays were upset, the Celine Dion fans were upset, the Music OG fans were upset, and they said, Taylor failed to recognize Celine Dion, didn't hug Celine Dion, just grabbed the trophy out of her hand and went to give her speech. And, you know, to, to some extent, maybe I could see why somebody would say, oh, that's a little bit weird. You should probably acknowledge the literal legend who is giving you the, the trophy and giving you the award for, for album of the year before you give your speech. But I can imagine in like the wake of all the emotions and everything's happening and the cameras are on you, why you might you know slip up and forget to acknowledge Celine Dion. Now a later photo comes out and there's what, Taylor Swift and Celine Dion and they are hugging one another. So presumably after she got the award and went off stage, uh, this was was reconciled. So I don't know what everybody's freaking out about. I really think people are just hating just to hate. We can chill. It was like a one second moment. We get that it made you a little uncomfortable. We get that the gays are upset. But I think Celine Dion and Taylor Swift are gonna be fine. <laughs> Yeah, I think they are just fine. And poor Taylor Swift, I feel like she can't catch a break lately. She goes to football games and the, the camera crew decides to show her over and over again because she's famous. And now all the football world is all upset with her. And there's this new thing going out where apparently every this whole relationship of hers is a psyop that's uh, bound to swing the election and everyone's upset with her about that and then this happens and yeah it's not a good look it's probably a missed opportunity you do want to like tip your hat to a legend when you're receiving it and not to get all hyper uh, analytical here I feel like it's like breaking down sports film or something but yeah. if you watch that clip and she's like going to accept the award someone like gets her attention as she's like walking to Celine Dion and she's like acknowledging that person and the next thing you know she's back she's also free Freaking out with all the accolades. So should she have have uh, acknowledged the legend in front of her? Of course. But is it forgivable? Is Does it look like a heat of the moment thing? Did, did she intend to uh, offend her or cast any shade her way? I don't think so. It's, this just seems like a case of the internet being really hypercritical and uh, looking for drama where I don't think there really was any. I completely agree. I think Taylor Swift is just the target of the moment these days, which, you know what? She's getting all this attention. I imagine you just want to want to cut that down. And again, not the best, you know, etiquette to not acknowledge the person who gives you the award. But yeah, I don't think she went up there thinking, you know, I'm going to slight Celine Dion live on television. Even if Taylor, for some reason, is is some fake girl or whatever, you would at least pretend for uh, the Grammys where everybody in the world is going to see your interaction. So I think it was just a little slip up mistake. Now, what wasn't a slip up mistake at the Grammys was uh, Jay-Z receiving the Dr. Dre Global Impact 
Impact Award, and he felt the need to bring up Beyonce and the fact that she did not win Album of the Year. Now, this is not the first time this has happened, right? Beyonce seems like constantly gets acknowledged but doesn't get the award that maybe she or her you know, companions are looking for. You'll remember the notable moment where Kanye West jumped on stage as Taylor Swift was receiving an award and said, this should have gone to Beyonce. And everybody hated Kanye West for having done that, for having ruined her moment, and for having called out Beyonce in the middle of this large crowd where everybody's watching. But now Jay-Z has decided to do the same thing. We're gonna show a short clip, because girl, I don't want a copyright claim on this. I don't want to embarrass this young lady, but she has more Grammys than everyone and never won album of the year. So even by your own metrics, that doesn't work. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, part of me, I feel like, okay, you know, be a man, stand up for your woman a little bit, you know, congratulate her. But to do it on the stage like this and to slight other people intentionally is just a little bit too much for me. And he goes on to say that there's a ton of artists who never even belonged in the categories as nominees in the first place. And it's just so awkward, especially with your daughter standing right next to you just going like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they pan to Beyonce and she has a very unreadable face. She's kind of smiling, but like, nodding and listening. I can't tell if she's feeling what he's saying and, you know, backing it, or if she feels extremely uncomfortable with him deciding to make this take live on air at the Grammys. There is a time and a place, I would argue that it's not on stage in front of everybody, that maybe this is something you can discuss later. I know there's a lot of discourse that Beyonce deserves an Album of the Year award, but mind you, she is a highly decorated musician when it comes to, you know, awards of all kinds. Part of me thinks like if you're still angling for like yet another Grammy and you're upset that you're not, you know, popular enough or you feel like you're getting slighted for that nomination, you can chill. I think you can chill. I think you are decorated enough in your musicianship to where not winning album of the year doesn't really mean much. We all know who Beyonce is. We all know her accolades. We all know how popular she really is. And to miss out on one Grammy, again, I think you're gonna be okay. I really do. Yeah, it's just kind of take the W. You're getting this like lifetime achievement award and it's not a great look to use that as uh, just a platform to say, I should deserve even more. My family deserves even more. It's just, uh, not a great look, but he they seem to allude to like the the Academy or whomever it is that chooses the Grammy winners is somehow corrupt or overly. I don't know if that is it just a matter of them being too subjective or and or is there sort of this conspiracy that there's politicking behind closed doors and the people who get nominated and selected are picked not on merit, uh, but on political reasons or, or other. Is that kind of what he was alluding to? I can't really tell. Yeah, I think so. I'm like, it can't be because she's black. I hope that's not the excuse that you're going to use right now for Please, why she yeah. did not win <laughs> album of the year, because that makes absolutely no sense. A ton of black artists were uh, rewarded at the Grammys. Uh, SZA got an award. Victoria Monet, much deserved, uh, because I love both of their, their music, and, and they did fantastic, and I'm glad they were awarded for it. So I hope that's not the angle that he's taking. I don't know that there's some great conspiracy against Beyonce, considering most people can acknowledge how talented Beyonce is. What I'm thinking is Taylor Swift has been the name in everybody's mouth. You know, 
and while Beyonce has been on her Renaissance tour at the same time as Taylor Swift, also selling out stadiums, I don't know. Taylor Swift has been getting a lot of press, and maybe that's why she's getting album of the year. Now, it's interesting because she's like taking over artists in terms of the uh, amount of album of the year awards that they've received. She's beat out Michael Jackson now uh, with this one, which is why a lot of people are pissed. They're saying, how dare you award Taylor Swift more album of the year awards than Michael Jackson? And to some extent, I can get it just from like an optic standpoint. It doesn't quite make sense to give her more album of the year awards than Michael Jackson. But what are you going to say? She had a real successful album. She had a real successful tour. She had a movie come out about that tour, as did Beyonce, and that was really successful as well. Uh, don't hate the player, hate the game. She won the award, but the girl cannot run away from being embarrassed and called out on the internet. She cannot catch a break from Kanye to, to Jay-Z to the Celine Dion slight. Uh, yeah, yeah. If I was her, I just would never log on to the internet, ever, honestly. Well, yeah, I doubt I doubt she really spends a lot of time scrolling social media to see what people think of her. But she is absurdly famous. Like mm -hmm. I can say I have never in my life like gone on YouTube and typed in a Taylor Swift or gone on Spotify and pulled up a Taylor Swift song like not once. But everybody in the world apparently is obsessed with this girl. And I don't know that they choose the winners based on like objective metrics of album sales or streams or how popular you are per se by any objective thing. But to your point, I mean, people love this girl yeah. and uh, her music is just everywhere and ubiquitous. And so I guess it does feel like a common cosmic injustice that uh, she's now passed MJ. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, she's absurdly popular. And I guess that's just what these wins keep reflecting. Yeah. And, you know, if, if Michael Jackson had been around longer, I have a feeling that the score would be much more even than it is now. But hey, she she took the trophy and that's the end of it. I don't I don't feel the need to dwell on it. You know what Kanye did in interrupting her uh, during her acceptance. Crazy. What Jay-Z did in on his own time. Not classy. Let's just put it that way. It, it, it lacked class. You could talk about that later. And especially to say that some of y'all don't even deserve to be in the category. That's crazy. Let them live. Let them live. The Carters have, you know, gotten all their awards. Even Blue Ivy is like the, I think, the youngest Grammy winner to, uh, to that, for that have ever to have happened. So y'all can chill. I think your family has enough awards. It's just so crazy to watch like these abundantly rich people argue over who deserves their next, you know, medal and who deserves their next award. Give me a break. And then Jay-Z goes on to like drink tequila out of it. Okay, like, okay, you really care all that much about this little thing that you're drinking liquor out of? Come on now. But that's really my thoughts on the Grammys. I thought they were okay. I watched the Tracy Chapman performance with Luke Combs singing Fast Car, Joni Mitchell. I, I love, uh, loved her song and her performance. And, you know, she's an OG. I was loving that they brought out a bunch of, like, old hits to go through their hits a little bit, to receive some some recognition, go back to just, just some classic, really good simple but beautiful music and for that i applaud them any other thoughts on the grammys taylor anything we left out 
Um, I know we saw Stevie Wonder. Someone, someone in the chat uh, said we need to say something about something, but I can't find it. So. Oh shoot! Uh, Killer Mike. Oh, that's what it was. Him getting arrested. Apparently, did you hear about that? I did not hear about that. No. Oh, okay. I so rapper know. Killer Mike apparently won three Grammys, and then uh -huh. there was footage of him being dragged out by the not dragged, but like walked out by the police in cuffs. Uh, and I'm not sure what he did. But uh, that was another story, apparently, that happened in the Grammys. So if you log on to social media, you'll get the highlights. You guys will have to fill us in in the comments and in the chat down below because I did not hear about that whatsoever. Now, with that, we're going to move out of Grammys drama and, uh, you know, all that rhetoric. And we're going to talk about this woke kindergarten story. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Right. But this is happening here in California in a Bay Area school where they paid $250,000 for a woke kindergarten program. And surprise, surprise, test scores fell even further. Now, the Bay Area School decided, you know, we need to start spending money and fueling our, our test scores as a school because the kids are doing you know, less than ideal when it comes to their metrics in math and reading. I believe it said as of the, the current state of the school, 4% of students are proficient in math and just under 12% are at grade level in English. And this is a decline of 4% uh, from the previous metrics in this category. And this is Hayward Elementary School. Now they decided to spend 250 thousand dollars in federal money on this organization called woke kindergarten to talk about oppression and racism and the conflict in the middle east with their school uh and with the with these students mind you this is an elementary school so these are very young students who are now having these conversations i did take the time to go in and look at their website for this woke kindergarten program and dude it is insane <laughs> it's insane that somebody would pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars for this if you look at their homepage, it says home who we are you get these like 60 second texts that you can read woke wonderings woke word of the day woke read alouds lil Comrade convos, teach Palestine what you mean, teachable poems. Now I clicked on woke word of the day because I'm like, okay, this could be interesting because I do feel like within the realm of wokeness, you can have some like high intellect individuals who are just intellectualizing postmodernism or, or whatever, and they might actually have some good things to, to teach or at least some interesting things to teach. And then you have like low tier Wokies who subscribe themselves to the idea that if you are a member of a marginalized group, you are immediately oppressed. So we're gonna learn about that oppression and learn about our victimhood. Now this was most definitely made by a low tier Wokey. I'm gonna put that out right now. Now the woke word of the day, that you can be learning in an elementary school near you. Ceasefire, strike, abolish, protest, anti-racist manifestation. This is wonderful. Don't you want this to be taught in your local elementary school? Now, of course, this did not do anything to fix test scores within the school. As I said, 4% of the school is proficient in math. I cannot hone in on that enough. 4% of the school is proficient in math. Oh my gosh. And less than 20% are proficient 
in English. Now, mind you, this school has a lot of English learners in it. I think they said about 80% of the school's population is lower income, and they're typically going to be from a Hispanic background, meaning that English is not their first language. And this school district, or this elementary school, is deciding to spend $250,000 to give them a woke education, rather than honing in on their math and their reading skills and their English skills. It means nothing if you teach a young kid what protest means. It means much more if you teach them how to read. Uh, literacy is extremely important. Now, this whole woke kindergarten thing was getting called out. People were calling out the, the founder of it and the woman, or should I say they them, who is uh, presumably running this entire organization. And she slash they decided to make a video in response. Let's watch. There is nothing. Yes, everyone, the rumors are true. I am anti-Israel. I am pro-Palestine. And I am 100% 10 toes down anti-Israel. I believe Israel has no right to exist. I believe the United States has no right to exist. I believe every settler colony who has committed genocide against native peoples, against indigenous people, has no right to exist. I believe in a free Palestine from the river to the sea. I believe one day Palestine will be free. Is this news to anybody? Did I just throw some bars at you and not even do it on purpose? Because when your work is poetry, that's what happens. Keep coming for me. Keep coming for me. These people keep coming for me. I am pro-humanity. There is nothing. Okay. So much, so much to unpack there. Oh, first of all, we knew she was on, on the free Palestine thing. We don't even need to get into all that. But the U.S. does not have the right to exist. And she says any land that she deems to be taken from an indigenous people does not have the right to exist. Baby girl, there's going to be nothing existing then. How is that going to work? I feel like their viewpoint on history is just so black and black and white and that they're just like rubbing a couple brain cells together to come up with these ideas. And these ideas are being ushered into elementary schools. Kids are going to learn from this woman's brain, or uh, this they them's brain. Sorry, I keep messing up the, the pronouns there. Just so very wild. And y'all know my theory about slam poet leftists. I told y'all <laughs> that the slam poet leftists are the ones who are really gonna get you. They are really the worst, they are really the loudest. If you hear uh, a slam poet leftist speaking in this type of language about their political musings, you know that person is dangerous. And she said, it's because my words are like poetry, meaning she's one of them. And I, I will stand 10 toes down on the theory that the slam poet leftists are the worst ones. <laughs> And this is just more evidence towards that uh, towards that being true, quite honestly. <laughs> she's she's really checking every box, right? She does the slam poetry. She's mm -hmm. talking about America doesn't have the right to exist. She's using all of the like liberation language and just it's it's almost like a 
caricature of what you would make up as a woke leftist. But here you go. And she's making a program that is called Woke Kindergarten. Yeah. So she's own at least you got to give her that. She's owning it. She's owning the the she they pronouns and the the term woke. And uh, when people challenged her beliefs online, she went out and wrote this uh I guess that was slam poetry. She was kind of just like talking with some cadence yes. and saying a bunch of woke stuff. But oh my goodness, it's I don't understand how we're continuing to contend with this problem that it can't just go away. It seems so absurd on its face. I have echoes of uh, the the founder Patrice Cullors of BLM saying we're trained Marxists, and it really is a, an effort to indoctrinate kids with mm. this binary, uh, these non-binary people indoctrinating with a binary worldview of oppressor oppressed on everything. And uh, we must side with the oppressed. And it doesn't matter if you can read or write or do math. Uh, we need to teach you not math, not those things, but uh, how to advocate on behalf of queer liberation and how to organize and protest because that is the meaning of life. We need to teach you how to make your own uh queer liberation slam poetry and, and whatnot. And this is our priorities. And then meanwhile, our educational outcomes falter and fall. It's just absolute clown world. And I, I'm looking around at the country right now. And this some of these problems seem so it's like, how El Salvador showing you how do you fix crime? Okay, you put criminals behind bars. Uh, we look at the border, we could maybe fix that by changing the policies that mm -hmm. have incentivized this craziness happening in the last three years. You look at education, education outcomes keep going down. Well, it's because we're teaching crap like this in there. There's, I just, am I taking crazy pills here? This seems like we have uh, such an obvious path to solutions to the country uh, with common sense and just objective reality. And instead we just keep dealing with this nonsense. I'm going crazy. Yeah, and it just continues to infiltrate education and specifically like lower education, like elementary schools and middle schools. If you guys watched my TikToks video or reacted to woke TikToks, they had a school that did a whole like MLK day where they stopped the students from actually learning and did seminars on like activism and making protest music and all of this other crazy stuff. We also reacted to another teacher who was bringing in a book about a non-binary gerbil to teach her kids about like being non-binary and how special it is and using they them pronouns this is actual regression when it comes to learning and it's so interesting to watch this coincide with such low scores in math and reading if your school is not equipping your students to actually learn to think critically to do very necessary skills when it comes to being a member of this society they are going to be functioning at a disadvantage for the rest of their lives. I cannot stress enough how much this is putting students back. And if you really cared about low-income students or Hispanic students or people who don't have English as their first language, you would be pushing all this stuff aside and training them as much as you can for them to have skills that are very much necessary to be successful in this country. But instead, they're deciding to take the time to have conversations about being black or how to be a comrade or how to protest. Ay, 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 ay. They won't even be able to like read protest signs, let alone be part of a protest. And this is what we're having conversations about in elementary school. I mean, I 
am like a firm believer that I think I got out of school right in time before all this stuff started happening because I did not have a lick of this when I was in elementary school, middle school. Maybe in high school, you get a few like kooky leftist teachers who aren't afraid to like espouse their beliefs and you go back and forth with them, but never anything to this degree of just crazy happening in a school. So I wonder how long after I got out of school, this started happening because either the internet is in inflating this and I'm seeing more videos than this is actually happening or this is a real, real problem. And it seems like a real problem given the literacy rates, given the lack of proficiency in things like math and science, given the, you know, the, the graduation stats of, of certain high schools where kids are being pushed through to graduate even though they're not meeting standards. Something has gone awry in our education system. And the more and more I see stuff like this, the more I'm thinking, oh, I got a home, I got a homeschool. I got a homeschool, I got to create a micro school. Maybe we're gonna come together as a, a channel and as a community and I'm gonna create a micro school <laughs> and, uh, and you guys can sign up and our kids will go to school together and we'll, we'll figure that out because I cannot imagine sending my kid off to public school at this point in time, even though I received a perfectly great uh, public school education. Just not. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, I kind of always planned on at least having public school be a season of my children's ed education. Um, Cause I went to public school, private school, I did homeschool. I went overseas and uh, did international school. And I'm grateful for uh, the different experiences that I got. And I think it's good to, and healthy to be uh, able to be adjusting, adjusting in different environments and such. But my goodness, with the amount of stuff that you're seeing on social media, and yeah, to your point, you could say, maybe this is all being blown out of proportion and we're just seeing these selectively outrageous videos, but mm -hmm. it's also borne out in the outcomes that you're talking about in yeah. test scores and, and uh, just literacy rates, math uh, performance, et cetera. Uh, and also in the culture, it's being borne out by the mental health issues we're seeing. It's, it's being borne out in the insane rhetoric that we're seeing in, in culture and politics. Um, and a lot of these radical views have become mainstream. And a lot of that passing of views is happening uh, in schools at the hands of teachers or even student to student. I'm sure that's part of it. And to your point, I graduated uh, college in 2013, which I think is right around when the, the, the woke wave started uh, flying. And I'm grateful that I got my education uh, in, in saner times. Um, but I agree with you that mm -hmm. I think there's no question in my mind um, when I have kids and there's no way I'm going to be sending them to public schools. Yeah. And I think we're going to see alternatives start to pop up more and more and, and people going for them. And I think the school system as we know it today is going to change drastically so long as people keep waking up and, and realizing that maybe this is not a safe space, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. to send their kids to. You know, it's totally cool to have some of these conversations in high school where if you've given them a proper education in elementary and middle school, they have some critical thinking skills. You can like practice the Socratic method, actually have a conversation rather than telling kids what they should think and what they should feel. That's a totally different thing that we're dealing with there. But when you package this woke stuff and you know sell it to them as, as truth and as if it's not something to contend with or challenge, then you have a big problem. And the younger you do this, 
you know, the less likely they are to to contest the things you're saying and the more likely they are to just be, be force-fed it and adopt it. Now, we did get a majorly viral video uh, that went across all of, you know, X, Instagram, YouTube of a, I believe, college professor, possibly, going back and forth with a student over J.K. Rowling and giving him a lesson in critical thinking. And these are the teachers that I see where I'm just like, chef's kiss. I'm so glad people like this still exist and they're still choosing to go into education because another big problem that we're going to have in education is real good teachers and educators do not want to be there anymore and they're leaving the space rather than standing there and and fighting upstream when it comes to enabling kids with with and arming them with critical thinking skills. So let's watch this clip, it got 35 million views, and it's so funny because really this discussion is very, very simple, but it's a discussion that many are choosing not to have in this modern age. Let's watch. So these guys want to talk about JK Rowling? Is that, so what's going on with that? What do you want to know? Uh, she's, she's had a pretty controversial past. I just want to know, like, what are your thoughts on it? And like, do you still like her work despite her, uh, bigoted opinions. So let's get specific though. Let's define bigoted opinions. What opinions are bigoted? We're going to treat this as a thought experiment. I'm not going to say yeah. what's right or wrong or what way to think. The whole point is to learn how to think, not what to think. Yeah. yeah. So when you say bigot, you, you're, you're starting with the conclusion that given her bigoted opinions. Yeah. So first her, uh, let's start with does she have bigoted opinions? So when you, when you say bigoted opinions. She has had a history of being extremely transphobic, I've heard. And you've heard, so what, can you give me an example? Uh, if you look at her Twitter, I think uh, you could see a few things. Um, if you want, I could try and find yeah, see something. If you can find, see if you can find one. So, one of these tweets that she came up with in 2019, she said, Dress however you please, call yourself whatever you like, sleep with any consenting adult who will have you... Um, live your best life in peace and security, but force women out of their jobs for starting that, for stating that sex is real. So you find that bigoted? What do you find about? It was. In there? It was deemed transphobic. I, like I myself. Do you find that transphobic yourself? Uh, I don't really have an opinion on it, but I'm just going with what. A lot of other people have said. So a let's lot of pause it. Let's not go with what other people are saying. Let's try and learn how to critically think. So let's analyze the tweet ourselves. So that statement, do you see anything problematic? Disregarding other people's opinions. Um, she did try and pin some things on a, spe a specific group of, per of people. Where does, she, where does she do that? Do that? Can you read that? But force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real. So when I hear that, I'm interpreting that as meaning if a woman says that, you know, saying that there's a difference between men and female and then being attacked as transphobic, I think that's what she's saying by attacking someone for stating that sex is real. That is exactly what she's saying. Is that I, transphobic to you? So, to me... No, stating that sex is real is not transphobic. It's just a fact of life. It exists. So is there anything you disagree with in that tweet? Uh, in that tweet, I can't really see anything that I myself disagree with, but 
I can see why some people would think, oh, this is offensive. We can't have that here or something. Because sure. Uh, there's an apology tweet. Um, she, let's read that. What did she say there? I haven't read that. I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. <laughs> I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it is hateful to say so. Um, you see anything problematic there? She's apologizing, so no, not really. Um, if I if I could read it again, it sounds like a, the same, a very similar statement as what she was just saying. She's basically saying like, I have nothing. To me, this is what I interpret it as: I have nothing against someone being trans exactly. in your life, but you just don't get to impose on my. You can live how you want. I can live how I want. Yeah. And let's all you know. Exactly. So I guess now, so now that we're looking at it like, oh, there's not much difference between me or her. Do you, how, why do you, do you think it's fair that there's a, that she's being attacked by a large group of people and people are calling her? Like you said at the beginning of this conversation, you said, given the fact that J.K. Rowling is transphobic, how do you feel about Harry Potter? Now, yeah. retroactively looking at that statement, do you think that that was the best way to phrase? No, I feel like an idiot now. <laughs> It's okay, though, but this is why we do this, to learn, to yeah. learn how to think. Are you kidding me? Masterful. Let me just say, masterful on so many levels. Also, shout out to the student uh, who he's talking to for being honest and allowing you know somebody to give you questions and lead you down a path to making your own discovery. And here's why what that teacher did is so great. He remained calm, he wasn't argumentative. He said, okay, I'm, I'm understanding what you're saying. Let's unpack that a little bit. Can you give me examples of something that she said that you deem to be transphobic? And immediately he didn't have that. Now, you could have attacked him on that point. You could have said, oh, so you don't have an example to give me of, of her being transphobic. He said, no, pull out your phone, let's go to her Twitter, let's look for some examples because I really wanna give you your best shot here at making your claim. I'll give you the time to do that. The student takes the time to look, pulls out some weak examples, but acknowledges that they are weak examples. And the teacher at every turn makes it very clear what are his opinions, what are his interpretations, and then throws the question back to the student. How do you interpret that? How do you view it? When you give somebody ample space to really express their views, express why they've said something that they've said, they can lead themselves down the path of discovery to recognizing that maybe their views are not you know, strongly held. Maybe they are being influenced by uh, outside forces. And that's exactly what happened with this student. Really wonderful to watch somebody just calmly take the time to do a practice in critical thinking because you so rarely get that. I think now in days you get, uh, look at you know this teacher destroy a student on, on JK Rowling or this student gets owned in front of the whole class when talking about transphobia and that's cool you know it's it's often uh, a fun thing to see somebody who you disagree with be put in their place but I think better than that is to allow somebody ample space to discover that their opinion is wrong because you can leave that conversation saying, I thought J.K. Rowling was transphobic and my teacher told me that that was incorrect. But I think this student is going to leave that conversation saying, I thought J.K. Rowling was transphobic and I realized 
that it was wrong because somebody allowed him space to realize it. And that's why that video got 35 million views because you don't hear conversations like this anymore. And it's really sad that something like this goes so viral, but also I'm ecstatic to watch uh, a, a teacher who, you know, stands firm, stands on business and talking about these issues. And if there's a, you know, we talk and lament about the fact that society's so polarized right now and that there's all this very binary thinking of uh, just the narrative on this side, the narrative on this side, and and everyone just kind of lobs bombs at each other from their entrenched positions. Um, but I think a video like this gets so much traction because it exposes precisely, I think, what people crave, which is actual nuanced thinking. And mm -hmm. it's something that it's a muscle that's so weakened in modern society. We don't tend to approach issues by thinking critically about them and analyzing claims on their merits and really using Socratic method, using logic and uh, and really dissecting our own views and exercising that with other people. And I couldn't help mm -hmm. but think of your most viral interaction ever uh, with the students at Winona State University when you were there and they came uh, with signs and were protesting you, calling you transphobic, calling the uh, PragerU transphobic, which you were working with at the time. And you just asked them like, okay, let's uh, look at the claims that uh, have been made on behalf of me or PragerU. Like, do you have anything that I can respond to uh, specifically? And they responded similar to how the student did like oh well people said this and they just have a history of transphobia and you're like okay but can you then she's like i don't have a phone to pull it up and you said someone get her a phone and and just getting down to the actual substance of the argument at hand instead of just these sweeping generalizations and this very broad-based not nuanced thinking and not nuanced conversation and i think you ended up leaving a lasting impression on those students i'm sure we don't know that any of them converted their their thinking or whatever but i think i think that video clip now has 20 million views right now on uh youtube shorts and it's been a lot of other places and i think that just bears witness to the fact that there is an appetite for uh compassionate nuanced um calm discourse uh and there's because there's there's such a dearth of it right now um and if you're able to tap into that it, it is the way that to your point you can change minds and it might make us feel good to lob bombs or have the so and so my my person destroyed their person moments right but if we're really in the interest of improving discourse improving the country depolarizing and persuading people uh toward more truthful uh positions then I think this sort of conversation is the kind that behooves us. Yeah, 100%. I've been thinking a lot about like how true persuasion works and how to persuade somebody effectively or at least just have a healthy conversation. They don't have to be persuaded by the end of the conversation in order for it to be healthy and productive. And the more media I watch, both on the left and in conservative media, the more I see that these people who claim to be uh, persuaders or who claim to want to change minds actually harbor, harbor a very deep spite and resentment towards the people who they claim to want to change, right? If you hate leftists, but make it your career to try and change the minds of leftists, I can guarantee you it's not going to work for you. There are people who really love abrasive rhetoric and I'm sure you'll change minds in that respect. But if there's an underlying spite to the person that you are attempting to have a conversation with, they 
feel it. They are going to absorb that. And what's so wonderful about this teacher is that there was no spite present in this conversation with the student. He could have called him, you know, a mindless drone who's just going uh, along with the woke mob. And instead he said, no, let's just explore this a little further. And at the end, when the kid said, you know what, I feel really stupid, which is it's an embarrassing thing to, to go through, to have your opinion somewhat challenged on video and have that video go out into the internet and then you have to admit to being wrong. He said, whoa, you know, don't feel stupid. It's exactly what I'm here for. This is what learning is for. And so often we sit in that space of like, oh, you are stupid. You were indoctrinated and you were brainwashed and I owned you. And I can guarantee that person either is going to you know change their mind and maybe do it silently and still harbor resentment towards you or they're never going to want to like look into your ideals and values again because they will associate it with the negative feeling that you gave them when you confronted them and right. this is very real for any person left right center it does not matter but what's really interesting about that video in particular is that the student says well, a lot of people are saying this. A lot of people are saying that she's transphobic. So much of what you take in on the internet is other people's opinions. And there's no way that we can look into every single opinion that we see on the internet because we're probably seeing thousands upon thousands of them every day. So you have to be really mindful about what takes space in your brain when you see it. And you'll see all this rhetoric about J.K. Rowling where she's referred to as a known transphobe or a known bigot. And that is very manipulative language. And we talked about a tweet that was put out about J.K. Rowling executive producing this new Harry Potter series that is coming out on, I believe, HBO. And it said, known transphobe J.K. Rowling will be executive producing this Harry Potter series. To package something like that, as if it is widely known, as if this is somehow a, a fact that you can prove, and then put that out on the internet for people to see, these are the people that you are affecting. You're affecting a student like this who goes, well, I saw that she was a known transphobe on, on X, and now that's what I believe about her. And these are the people who are ripe for the picking when it comes to persuading them, because they're really not strongly held beliefs or values. They're just things that they've seen on the internet and now believe because so many people have decided to come to this consensus. So we can be upset at the people who think these things, or we can challenge them respectfully. And challenging somebody with respect takes more time than uh, just shutting them down and owning them or whatever. But it's well worth it in the end, because that student's going to go on to have learned a very important lesson. And it's not to, to say things without having actual knowledge to, to back up what you're saying and the statement you're making. And I can guarantee you he's never going to want to make that mistake again, even though it's a mistake that should be invited, especially by educators. Right. In theory, that's exactly what you want to have happening at school. So I give the, the teacher obviously deserves a ton of credit, but I think yeah. the student deserves credit for being open minded enough to follow his own logic and to engage with the teacher who was engaging with him in good faith and say, okay, well, I'm basing that statement on this. And he, he did do go through the effort to unpack and substantiate what he was saying. And he was willing to ultimately change his mind um, going into that conversation. And I'm sure that there are some people, we usually call them ideologues, mm -hmm. who uh, no amount of of uh, rational, civil discourse could persuade to change their mind. Um, but there are plenty of people out there that could have their minds changed. But in order for that to happen, you have to 
not set off their uh, mental defense mechanisms and trigger the uh, fight or flight, you know, get them out of their prefrontal cortex, as they say, and and get it, keep them engaged in rational thinking. And if you mm-hmm. come at them hot and heavy with a bunch of, well, you're dumb for believing this, or of course, she's not a transphobe, you stupid liberal, like, then you're going to lose them and they're going to go into defensive mode and you're going to lose your opportunity to change your mind and or at least to have uh, a model what a good faith discussion can look like and it's hard i to you said it a minute ago like it's it's not it doesn't necessarily come natural mm-hmm. and as you're talking i was thinking of myself earlier on today's stream when we acted when we reacted to that woke teacher um my brain just went to like how is this happening i was just so overcome by this sense of wow, society is just driving me nuts. And I responded kind of emotionally. And as then you came out and said, well, if you were actually interested in improving the, the lot of children and improving their educational outcomes, which is something that in theory we could all agree on, wouldn't you want to teach them math instead of activism? And it's like such a more rational approach than like, oh my God, I'm so mad about this. This is so crazy. And so it, it takes discipline and it takes effort maybe to suppress your uh, the emotions that we feel because we do feel strongly about these issues and they do have weight and they do impact people. And that's something to uh, bear in mind. But if we want to be persuasive, you have to keep your cool and you have to uh, appeal to things that people want to be have logical opinions. They don't want to be defending the indefensible. They don't want to be standing on uh, ground that is completely irrational. And if you can walk them through exposing uh, the holes in their own logic, you have a chance to change their mind. But if you just act emotionally, you don't. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, y'all, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. I am no stranger to having lost my temper in talking to somebody <laughs> about these sorts of ideas, especially if they come at you aggressively or like when, when somebody characterizes you in a way that is just so far beyond reality, it is so difficult to keep a lid on your emotions. And I am by no means a saint when it comes to talking to people about this stuff because, whoo! My goodness, does sometimes <laughs> your blood is just boiling and you have to just swallow uh, what you're what you're feeling. And it's and it's a practice uh, that I engage with every single day as we go through these topics. And I'll mind you, sometimes I fail and I fail miserably. Uh, so. That's why you got to take all those ice baths to build up that <laughs> mental toughness for those exactly. moments. Right. Stay cool. Right? Exactly. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Now we're going to move on from that. A fantastic teacher, which I'm honestly in watching that video. I'm like, I need to make an entire an entire episode just about that, where I can actually mm-hmm. pause and go through some of the different rhetorical devices that he's utilizing and having this conversation because it's a very short video, but it is very powerful and impactful if you understand uh, what he's utilizing to lead from point A to point B. So let me know if you want a breakdown of that video or a, a longer one uh, in the chat down below. Now, lastly, on today's show, I missed out on the beginning of Black History Month. Boo! So sad. I know you guys all wanted me here to uh, talk about Black history and how we should engage with Black people this month. But luckily, I don't need to tell you because we have somebody else to do it for you. We're going to watch a TikTok, and this is a call to action for Black History Month. Hey, white men. Due to systemic and structural racism that Black women have had to endure, they only make 64 cents to every dollar that you make. So as a fitting start to Black History Month, I want to take what you will make today, 
multiply it by 64%, and then take that difference and give it to some black women today. This shows that you are honoring them, that you are appreciating them, and that you are dedicated to equity. And black women, you know what to do. Hey, what? Oh, I gotta give that up. Okay, sorry. Okay, 36% of uh, your salary, or I guess whatever you make in a day, you are meant to give that to a black woman, specifically. A, a black woman is meant to take on that payment. <sighs> you know, I have to really break this down. Let's, let's think about that. Let's think about this systemic difference between the salaries of, of black women and their white male counterparts. Now, you can look at a, a disparity like that uh, of 36%. She claims. I'm sure we could shave down that percentage quite a bit if we just looked into some other stats. But you can look into that disparity and think, must be racism, right? Because the difference between a black woman and a white man is the race and the sex. So this has, has to be, you know, sexism mixed with racism. Or you could think of other reasons why that disparity may exist. You could think about the fact that women tend to negotiate very low if they negotiate at all when it comes to taking on jobs. You could think about the fact that women go on to have kids and often work less time than men do. You could think about the fact that women often take on less overtime than, than men and are a little less dedicated to their jobs and endeavors and more dedicated to what's happening in their personal lives, uh, and that could affect your pay. You could think about cultural differences that would lead to a, a difference in, in pay. You could, you could think about a difference in training leading up to your job that would lead to maybe a white man having a higher salary than a black woman does. All of these different things, I think, are just completely blown over or you know shoved underneath the rug, and we immediately run to racism. And this is why, if there is a, a wage gap that is as large as this woman is saying, it is never going to be solved. Because I can nearly guarantee you that the heart of the issue is not racism. So if we keep focusing on racism, we're never going to get to the other things that could lead to, you know, black success and black joy, as they, they say these days. And nothing is to be mended in uh, this month of black history if we don't get down to the actual root of the problem. Does that make sense? It does. And there you go, just walking through the logic. Like, I agree with you that if there is discrimination happening, I want to know why. And clearly, okay, if we can see a statistical disparity in income from this demographic group and this demographic group, then there, we, I would like to understand why that is. Uh, you're saying that 100% of that disparity is attributable to racism, systemic racism, uh, I'm saying let's break down and proposing a few other factors that may uh, factor into that pie chart. And maybe would you be willing to to put a number on how much this might be contributing, how much this might be contributing? Like that would be a way to approach a conversation with someone who is espousing the view that systemic racism is 100 percent the reason for everything uh, 
that every disparity that we see in society. Um, and like you said before, like we talked about before, there are plenty of people who will not be persuaded by anything because they need the stuff to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those that are, uh, hopefully it's worth laying out some of those reasons and they can be persuaded. Yeah. Now uh, we're going to show you a video of maybe somebody who will not be persuaded on any of the reasons that I just gave. Apparently this is this sort of rhetoric of, you know, Black people and black women deserve payment uh, for simply existing. This is not, you know, a singularly held view on on behalf of one individual. Here's another TikTok that says black women deserve to be paid for just existing. I believe that every black woman on this planet should be entitled to financial compensation just for existence on this earth in this society. And though I could go down my laundry list of reasons and likely convince you to and show you why I believe that, I'm not going to. You'll understand when you do. Toodles! I believe that every black woman on Okay. <laughs> this one's a little tougher to unpack, considering she would not give a single reason as to why she believes black women deserve compensation for simply existing. But trust, if she did, you would surely be convinced she's just not going to do it. And there's this other part of leftism where people kind of go, here is my here's my thought, right? And here's a very radical belief that I hold but I do not have to substantiate that belief uh, at all. I don't have to give you any reasons uh, for having that belief because that is what they call emotional labor on their part. And if you as a black person have to do the labor of teaching somebody why you have this radical belief, they are exploiting you. And I can only think that that's how this young woman is thinking about this idea that uh, we deserve financial compensation for simply... (laughs) for simply existing come on now be you so can see real. how the the ideology gets you though right because it appeals to this okay humans we don't like the idea of unfairness even little kids if this kid has more toys than me there's an unfairness i hate that and so it takes that instinct to look at disparities and then it gives you a narrative beneath disparity that posits you as a victim or in in an oppressed class and then posits the oppressor class as the people that are responsible for it. So it gives you an object of blame, an object that you can attach your your anger to. And then it also, whenever your idea is challenged, when you have to substantiate the, the nature of the claims that you're making, when people present evidence that say, well, this disparity exists for actual logical reasons, not because of discrimination on the part of these people that you're calling oppressors. Uh, then they give you the get out of uh, debate free card by just saying, well, I don't have to perform the emotional labor to explain to you why I'm correct. Uh, that's more oppression on your part. So everything just goes back to this oppressor oppressed framework. And it's an ideology that can be very uh, like a web that you get tangled in because it you believe yourself that a you're right you feel virtuous you feel like you're on the right side of history you feel like you're fighting on behalf of the oppressed and fighting against the oppressor you feel like you've been had in an injustice done to you mm-hmm. and uh you don't ever actually have to confront the uh contradictions in your thinking or the evidence that contradicts your thinking because uh you don't have to perform the emotional labor on other people so how do you get out of it 
Yep. This is a question. Yep, and that's exactly what they do. Give you a super, super radical belief and say, I'm not going to do the emotional labor to substantiate my belief whatsoever. And you actually just segued into our last video uh, for today of somebody doing exactly that, throwing out a bit of personal experience, which we are going to we're gonna unpack, and saying, this substantiates my very radical view that much of America is racist. And it is none other than Sonny Hostin, and one of the hosts on The View. Let's watch this clip and let's see if you feel the same way I do upon watching it. There are racist and, people in this country. And there are yeah, absolutely right. racist yes. people in this country. It is not the vast majority of people in this country. And I feel we like don't know well, what we don't the know FBI that. director said white supremacy but is that the does, biggest but that threat to our country today. Well, that still doesn't mean that that's the vast majority of people. I just don't believe that in my day-to-day life that the people that you're encountering harbor racist viewpoints. I do think that this division that if we're creating... If you look like me, you would believe differently. But you know what, uh, Alyssa, the woman... The woman... So, but just to, just to understand, are we saying, do we think the vast majority of Americans are racist. That's I, what I'm trying to I, I, help I, me I understand. I think that there is a significant portion um, that are racist, and you can't dismiss my lived experience. And I, I never yeah, would when say I, when I, don't, I, I would never When I say that there are a lot of racists in this country, oh, I, I just experienced my son walking down the beach being called the N-word several times in Florida. There is, so don't, you can't say, I believe that the vast majority of people aren't racist. We don't but again, know. we, I, we okay, don't that's know that. Fair. There are 300 million people in this country. Right. I would never minimize your lived experience any yeah. more than I would yeah. mine but, as but, but an Arab see, woman. See, you know what? The girl, I don't know her name, but the girl in the blue jacket, she should not have backed down from the point that she was making. And that's where they get you. They throw out some like wild card experience, which I'm gonna guess, did not happen. I'm going to be so for real about that. I'm going to guess it did not happen. And I'll tell you why I think that did not happen. Uh, but they threw out this wild card experience and then you go, oh, well, I guess that's true. I don't know everybody in this country. Although I'm pretty sure all of us can acknowledge that the majority of this country is not racist. And if they are, it's more racism harbored towards white people than it is really any other group. And still, I don't even think that represents the majority of the United States of America. And when Sunny gets into that story about her son on the beach, just we're gonna rewatch just for a second so we can watch that beat there. Say that there are a lot of racists in this country. Oh, I, I just experienced my son walking down the beach being called the N-word several times. Mm-mm. Okay, so I'm no body language expert, right? But when she's talking about this story, my son being called the N-word, and she takes this like nervous breath in because she's thinking in her head, how many times do I want to say that he was called the N-word? I could give an actual number. I could say it happened one time. But if I say it happened one time, it's not an actual sign of there being, you know, a majority of, of, race, of racists in this country. It has to have happened several times. So she takes this nervous beat and says, several times on the beach. Now, just just play out this scenario uh, for in your head for, for just a moment here of a little black kid walking on the beach in Florida and multiple people calling him the N-word. Now, I'm not positing that this could never happen. It's possible. It's possible that something like this could happen. But who in their right mind is going to the beach and having multiple people call them the N-word? Also, I don't know what Sonny Hostin's son looks like, and I'm not going to like bring him into the story and look him up, but Sonny Hostin is like the Meghan Markle of black people. Come on now. I don't think anybody is looking at Sonny Hostin and th immediately thinking the N-word. I don't know how light or dark her son is, so I can't speak to that. But my goodness, 
I'll take things that did not happen for 2000, Alex, because <laughs> that does not sound sincere in the slightest. And again, it's just like a wild card that you can throw out to shut down the conversation. And she was successful in that because after sharing that story, she goes, oh, I guess I don't know all the people in the United States. And I would never, you know, push back on your lived experience, which is not even her lived experience. It's her son's, according to the story. Uh, but I smell, I smell some, some sus behavior going on in that video. And I don't feel as though she was telling the truth. No. And we talked about it before. Like you can, you can get the, like, I think she maybe does sincerely have the worldview where she, you know, believes that there's racism in America. Like, but, uh, you can see how the ideology works to, let you not have to engage the argument. You talked earlier about the manipulation of language, and this is sort of the manipulation of a debate. The kicker in this whole thing is even if her little anecdote is true, and of course that's a horrific uh, thing that would have happened, but it doesn't necessarily tilt the argument yeah. in her favor on the merits. The The, the actual claim is that there's uh, a widespread racism, the majority of American people, and I'm guessing she would, she's referring to white Americans, are racist. And you can't substantiate that with an anecdote about someone walking on a beach as horrible as uh, whatever did or did not happen may have been. Um, but she gets to win win the argument because she made this, uh, this story and this uh, appeal to emotion, and that shuts down the conversation, which might have actually led somewhere, and we may have actually had a better understanding of whether or not there is uh, racism in the United States of America, widespread uh, by white people, if she were able to substantiate that with actual evidence or claims. And we may have gotten into the racism that happens against white people or Asian people in university admissions and in hiring practices, et cetera. Um, but we didn't get to have any of that conversation because she threw this this bomb in it and because the other person arguing her point, like you said, backed down at that. And that it's a tough thing. It's a tough position to be in when someone's using these manipulative debate tactics um, to one, spot them, and two, to hold your ground when you might look like the bad person. Um, but uh, we have to stand on the side of the truth and and go down with it and ultimately the truth will out yep and you all know guys i was interviewed to be on the view at some point i went through two different interviews to be on this show it didn't end up panning out but my goodness i would not have let that slide i would not have let that slide if i was a panelist on mm -hmm. this show uh and and maybe that puts too much of a riff in the conversation considering i think these women are so used to just throwing out these super radical ideas and nobody really standing uh, on on their beliefs to challenge them. Um, but, oh, my gosh, if I had been there for that moment, I was not letting you slide. I was not going to let it slide. But, like, tell me more about that day at the beach for your son. Can you unpack that a little bit? Can you give me more details as to how this happened and who said what? And please give me more evidence to substantiate the fact that you think the majority of Americans are somehow racist and that white supremacy is the biggest threat to America. I would love to get a little bit more clarity uh, on that. And of course, they'd probably just throw it to commercial break <laughs> <laughs> after that. And with that, guys, uh, we are going to get into your super chats today. Let's hear from you talk about today's stories.
All right. We know you guys missed them. We, I was, we were following the comments on yes. some of the recorded content while we were away and people were like, no super chats, WTF? So here we are. Now's your chance if you've been been holding out. Um, <laughs> so the first one today is from Pitland44 says, Amala, I watched the dentist video. Uh, why doesn't anyone ever bring up the fact that almost all black dentists are the descendants of, quote, free persons of color? Because there's a lot of history there. I not looked much into dental history. and I would not know why that would be a fact. I'm going to have to look into that. <laughs> but I think the reason that nobody brings that up is not many people have extensive knowledge on dentistry, <laughs> especially black dentistry. Yes, that is an interesting it factoid is. of history, yeah, to say the least. I did not know that. <laughs> Uh, Michael Jackson says, I'm still alive, just hiding. LOL. Who said so, that? Michael Jackson. Ah, oh, Michael Jackson, still alive, just hiding. Uh, I mean, so. if, if Michael Jackson was still alive, would love some more, uh, love some more music. But maybe he did. I know there's a lot of theories that say Michael Jackson is actually still alive and he's living his best life because he wanted to get away from all the fame and all, all the horror of it all. Who knows? Who knows? There's a lot of theories. Some people say he's with uh, Princess Diana. Just and they're mm. chilling on some island somewhere. Who Tupac, knows? they're about to drop the collab of the century. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, it's funny you can make your YouTube name whatever, I guess. Yeah. So, or maybe your name really is Michael Jackson. It's not the most uncommon name. Uh, Otaku sixty nine says, "Did you hear about Brett Kavanaugh and how the security and Chinese kicked him off the piano?" No, I did not hear about what? this. One. It sounds like a very uh, interesting story. This is a story that I <laughs> indeed missed. You guys are yeah. coming at me with some deep cuts uh, in the super chats today. I've not heard about Brett Kavanaugh and this uh, piano incident. I'm gonna have to look that up too. Um, okay, I'll read one more while you pull that up. Sure. Uh, Alex Lusher says, "Long time no see. I went to MegaCon Orlando this past weekend and got to meet Gina Carano. Uh, hashtag Gina Carano did nothing wrong. Oh. Yeah, free, free my girl Gina. <laughs> she didn't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw she posted a picture with Nerdrotic. I uh, did see that day. too. That's super cool too. Yeah, shout out to Gary. Shout out to Gina. I uh, love them both. They're both really great. It's good to see two legends uh, in one photo, and I'm glad you got to meet her. I bet she was super nice. She gives super nice vibes." Uh, Happy King, Happy Kingdom says, hey there, Amala and Scarface. Oh, this is uh, Alex, okay. uh, a.k.a. Red Pill Bro. Red Pill <laughs> I forgot bro. His, old, his old name, but mm -hmm. RP Awareness Month. Anyways, uh, sorry I missed you guys live because I'm setting up my new OLED to watch you guys even harder. LOL. By the way, W Dad in that dating video. W dad in the dating video. He did not do that well, though. He didn't pick the right person for his daughter. So uh, he was a cool yeah. dad, though. Definitely a cool dad. I don't know what an OLED is. What's an OLED? Oh, it's like a fancy TV. Oh, OK. So, uh, yeah, there's like okay, LED TV Alex. and then OLED TV. And OLED is like better for some reason. I don't really know why. Hey, okay. do your thing, and Alex. I, he called me Scarface because we play Halo together and I had a really good game and um, did went dominate. If you play 54 <laughs> and 6 was my KD. Uh, Knowing record. What that means. So 54 kills, six deaths. My wow. best Halo game ever. I had a rampage. 20 without dying. <laughs> 23 to be exact. So, anyways, just uh, living the dream over here. Living the dream. Uh huh. Uh, Snacky Chops says, I don't want to hear about the Grammys until Tom McDonald and Ben Shapiro win an award for their song Facts. And <sighs> hi, love from Australia. 
Y'all, oh, love from Australia. Shout out to y'all. I met a couple of you when I was there uh, in Orange. That's where I met uh, two young women who were so very nice and sweet. So shout out to you two ladies. Uh, you know what? I know y'all y'all put some comments down below about me reacting to the Ben Shapiro, Tom McDonald thing. I've been thinking about it, but also, you know, y'all know how I feel about Tom McDonald. The flow is just not there. I was literally having a conversation with John and Risa this weekend. I'm like, Somebody needs to be like a female rapper who's not into all this like uh, promiscuous, nasty stuff, but actually has like a real good flow, good beats, you know, and calls out some of the stuff that's happening today, but does so in a way that's cool. And it might just have to be me, y'all. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm like, uh -oh. maybe I need to make maybe I need to make a rap song or something. Um, uh, but yeah, I did listen to facts. It was OK. It, it was OK. That's what I'm doing. I don't even know what that would look that. like. I can't think of a female rapper who is not like promiscuous and yeah. There's there's some out there, but it's like it's more and more rare these days. One person who I will shout out that I want to do a whole video about his song, and it's a song blasphemy, is Coleman Hughes. For those of you oh, yeah. who are familiar with Coleman Hughes, he's like an intellectual, but also makes music, and he has a song called Blasphemy that's amazing. I need to do a whole video breaking down the song in the music video, and I think I'm going to do that. Uh, he's a fantastic rapper, so sorry if I don't get to do a video on Ben Shapiro and Facts, but uh, it, it was all right. It was all right. <laughs> I have this working theory and I'm, I'm refining it as the exact statement, but it's something like 99% of female rap. It boils down to, I used my sex appeal to gain power and get what I want. And 99% of male rap boils down to like, I used my, uh, ability to climb the dom dominance hierarchy, my violence, my strength, my mm -hmm. whatever, uh, to get what I want. And that's basically like to, to gain wealth, power, whatever. Yeah. It's like basically it all boils. And there's like a lot of other music that boils down to that. But it's just funny, like when we look at like psychologically, like, I don't know, the strategies for ascending dominance hierarchies, male versus female, um, you can see the evidence of that borne out in uh, music. So, yes, anyways. 100%. Those are definitely very strong tropes within the genre. And don't get me wrong, I love rap music, y'all. You are not going to find... Uh, a rapper who's good that I cannot see the the value and I do think there is uh, very much in an art to it and to having a flow and to finding the right cadence and the right words and making really clever quips within rap music love it to death uh, but I do have my qualms with the genre as there's not like there's not a lot of diversity of thought within the music itself that's what I my favorite rapper as you know is Chance the Rapper and mm -hmm. i love just that he seems to have at least in his uh that his coloring book album just man just the different genres the different themes he explored all the metaphors and stuff it's like there's definitely an art form to it and i don't want to yeah. like overgeneralize. there's there's a lot of cool stuff out there but i just had that kind of epiphany and i was like man that seems to be a relatively accurate characterization yes. so uh, i'm uh, going to see <laughs> Nicki minaj in march with Risa, and I'm so sad with all the recent drama that has come out about that woman. She is really on a PR flop right oh, now. No. My goodness, she's doing horrible. Oh my gosh, but I already have the tickets, so. She did quote tweet Ben Shapiro, didn't she? Yeah, she did, but you don't want that. <laughs> Nicki Minaj does not have the best track record. She's, she's going a little Looney Tunes right now, for those of you who are aware of all that drama happening. Huh. 
I am not, man. We got the Grammys. I'm catching up on all my pop culture. I, I'm just out of the loop. I'm sitting around playing yeah. Halo and listening to football podcasts. <laughs> Fair enough. You don't need to be in on the Nicki Minaj, Meg the Stallion drama. I think you guys can live without knowing all that. <laughs> oh, you know what? Yeah, didn't she have a diss track or something that was like coming after Meg the Stallion? Yes. My wife played that for me in the car the other day, and for whatever reason, she likes that song. Uh, uh-huh. and, but and told me a little bit about the beat they had, but yeah, I have heard about it. Just not good on Nikki's part. That's all I'm going to say. Oh no. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll save that tea for another day. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Alisa Nishanova says first live. I know you like to hear what we do. Mm-hmm. I'm a ballerina and listen to this warming up before a show or on a long bus ride on tour. I discovered cool. you six months ago and you're now my favorite podcast. Oh! so much that is so very cool i wish i had done ballet at some point in my life i i don't know it seems very very difficult so congratulations that you're on tour and doing that for a living yeah that's awesome that is very awesome yeah <laughs> uh will davies says as a metalhead i lost faith in the grammys years ago best metal performance always goes to legacy bands not younger bands who deserve it as for prominent awards like Mm. album of the year i think nominees are similarly not merit based yeah i don't know if it's how exactly they get down to the bottom of that i'm sure it's like album sales and tours and publicity that has something to do with it i have not listened to much metal so i cannot speak to that whatsoever but i can imagine there would be uh, you know a lot of awards going to sort of old school metal bands that seems to be the way it is you kind of have to earn your your uh, the notches in your belt before you get awarded in that front it's a tough balance right because i'll t- like my wife turn on the grammys and i'm like okay jay-z i know who that is and then mm-hmm. they give the award to some person and i'm like i don't know who that is and like everyone young i'm like a new artist, I'm like, eh, that's funny. Taylor's not I don't know these people, but all the old people, I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, th- those are you know, people I'm familiar with, and mm-hmm. uh, you got to keep up with it, it's just exhausting. You do have to keep up, it's a lot, and it's just ever changing and shifting. And oh my goodness, but I do manage to keep up with music because I just listen to a lot of it, so yeah. And I guess my point was like, if you only ever give credit to the OGs. Then how is other people supposed to break in to and to this right. super chatter's point as well, right? But I feel like the Grammys had a good mix of like new artists winning stuff, artists that haven't won in a long time. I mentioned Victoria Monet at the top of the show, which she's been in in the game for like 15 years and never won a Grammy. And now she's like finally being rewarded for her efforts. And she's major, majorly talented. Uh, Boy Genius, they're kind of like new on the scene relative to other musicians. They won like three Grammys last night. Um, I saw that one. Ice Spice got no love. Oh, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Or Jelly Roll. I was kind of hoping Jelly Roll would pull it out. But he's had his moment. So you know what? And, you know, everybody's getting their flowers to some extent, despite what Jay-Z is ranting on about. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Happy King, Happy Kingdom again says, Amala, have you listened to the number one rap song yet? Same topic. Uh, I got to give it up to Ben Shapiro. This is where 15 years of professional violin gets you facts. (laughs) Did you play violin in the song? I don't know. I don't remember, uh, but I do do remember his little uh, his his verse in there. I'm maybe I'm just too picky when it comes to rap, but I will uh, most definitely recognize uh, when 
the syllables of your sentence are, are not matching what they're supposed to be. And I can't get over it. <laughs> so, um, But, you know, Ben Shapiro is not a rapper. So at least he gets more credit for like a, a, as well as he did on that song. Because I was listening to it and I was like, why is his flow a little bit better than Tom McDonald? Tom McDonald's been doing it for quite some time. <laughs> but I'm picky. I'm picky, y'all. Don't don't take my opinion as fact. I'm just picky. Facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah. No. That's what you came here for. I'm going to spit facts. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't want to react to it because I'm not going to like, I'm not going to shit on the song. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, I'll just leave it for people yeah. to enjoy, you know? Yeah. Sorry. I think a lot of people who are not normally rap fans hear it and they're like, this is so these are good. people I like saying yeah. things I like yeah. to a beat. Therefore, I like it. Yeah. And, but I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as like in the whole rap thing as you so i i have certain songs i like and stuff but i i don't have a strong opinion about it but i respect right. that you know what you're talking about so thanks uh, let's see <laughs> madeline glidewell i've been doing this with you long enough to know that <laughs> you, if you have a plant, plant your flag on something there's usually a good reason um madeline glidewell says uh, welcome back curious if your aussie boyfriend has introduced you to hamish and andy their podcast and your show are all about all I listen to. He doesn't listen to a lot of podcasts. So uh, that that's why I've not been introduced to them, but I will have to look them up. Hamish and Andy. Uh, mm. I'll put them on my little, my little search list. Yeah. You're going to end each show with like a list of things to I know. check out. And <laughs> look up. I always go and scroll through the things that you guys suggest uh, when the, when the show is done. So that's it good. Hamish and Andy. I see him very Aussie looking. <laughs> Uh, Summer Dude says Jay-Z is a mean old poopy head. Shout out to the Wordle group on Discord. Uh, you should be proud of our dictation and problem-solving abilities. There Amala. you go. Shout out to you guys. I love that. I love that you guys are getting together to to do the Wordle on a daily basis. As far as Jay-Z being a mean poopy head, <laughs> I don't know about all that. All I know is it was not, lacked a little bit of class what he did at the Grammys. Hmm. But yeah, shout out to the there's a there's a Wordle group on Discord. I mean, yeah, Taylor would be into that. that. Yeah, I started a channel on PragerU Slack called uh, Wordle, and we just everybody just did the Wordle. That's all they did, and there pasted the go. results in there. Because for a while, everyone was like tweeting their Wordle results every day, and then it was like trend the number one trend on Twitter like every morning for months. Mm -hmm. And I think people just got sick of it and was like, dude, no one cares about right. your Wordle. Right. But if you make a Slack channel that's only opt in for Wordle. Then that makes sense. It's, like a, it's a safe space. 200 IQ, so, Taylor. 200 IQ 200 move. IQ. Speaking of 200 IQ, if you haven't played it, check out Octurtle. If you can't get it, one, one wordle, it's over in like, you know, a minute. Octurtle's eight words and there's multiple ways to, to do it. Go. And that's a fun Level word game I like to play <laughs> now and then. So, Octurtle, keeping the brain anyways, sharp. Got to. Um, let's see here. Michael Jackson again says, funny thing. I am white youngest of five brothers and did live in Gary, Indiana for a few years. Uh, just don't have his voice, but it is my name. There you go. Wow. All the, the coincidences are lining up, except you didn't get the voice. What a snub to not get the voice, but have all those other <laughs> similar. Rajikistan. Rajikistan. Uh, that's funny. Gary, Indiana. That's a coincidence. Hmm. Your home, sweet home. Um, Celtic Blacksmith says, Amala, so glad you survived your DEI flights, darling. We missed your lives. And I guess we missed Taylor too, or whatever. JK, homie. <laughs> Dude, my, my flight back from Australia, amazing. You know, chill as can be. The flight there, 
brutal. It was brutal. There was so much turbulence. Even though I know the pl a plane has never crashed from turbulence, right? I, I know this logically, but it was just the worst. My boyfriend's just sleeping the whole time peacefully while the plane is like <laughs> jerking around. And then I got like a massive, massive headache that I had for the entirety of this 14 hour flights that was super dope Aww. um uh but i i said to myself you know the 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 trip can only go up from here so this is a great way to start things out well hopefully <laughs> yeah. you're on an airplane so it's going down can, eventually can only improve <laughs> uh happy king happy kingdom again says are you glad amala that you never joined that squawking clown show called the view amala manda estas panes a la calle scarface translate love you guys Amala send these, I think, I don't know that word. It sounds like a mean word, um, okay. but probably these 304s probably to the streets. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually would have loved to have been on The View for the very purpose of actually being like a strong challenger, a strong, respectful challenger to their beliefs. I don't think I would have lasted long on the show with that being uh, my, my goal, because considering it doesn't seem like they want somebody who's very has very strongly held beliefs in opposition to what they think, but I would have loved to have at least like a one, two show run where mm. you just come in, spit some facts and leave. Never to be seen again. <laughs> Drop the mic on your way out. <laughs> Never to be <laughs> seen Whoopi. again. Sorry, Whoopi. Sorry, Sonny. <laughs> um, Victoria Watkins says, as the only black woman in a prominently male, white male workplace, I can vouch that I'm well taken care of. Through hard work, I have acquired my own office and multiple raises. I love hey, your content. Love that for you. I mean, if there's anything that I could, you know, say in terms of like advice, if you want to like stand out at work, it's just doing one extra step each day. Your employer is always going to notice that. It doesn't matter who you are or what you look like. People notice results. And I bet that's why you have your office and that you are well respected and taken care of at your job. It takes very little, you know, over the edge to really stand out as an employee. It's true. The bar is sadly so low in the American work uh, landscape. Yeah. And if you just are diligent and punctual and on top of your stuff and have ownership and just do what's expected of you and then some, mm -hmm. you're going to you're going to go places. You are now. in there like swimwear, baby. Mm. Um. Taylor Fan Club says, happy to see my favorite parasocial streamers again. <laughs> <laughs> We're happy to be back. We're happy to uh, hear from you. Taylor's always happy to hear from the fan club, uh, so long as you are not uh, hitting on him in an egregious things, manner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've, we've improved since then, so yes. good, good on you. Understood. Uh, Snacky Chops again says, yes, Amala, become the rapper we need. You know what? She's not the rapper we deserve, but the rapper we need. <laughs> She's not the rapper we deserve, but the rapper we need. Maybe I might do it. At the very least, I'm going to be reviewing that Coleman Hughes song, Blasphemy, on this channel so that you guys can, like, hear what I'm looking for when it comes to the rap game and, like, sharing your values through rap music. Because it's possible. It's very much possible. Rap music gets a bad rep, and it doesn't necessarily deserve it. I will be your ignorant white boy audience who, uh, target audience who will learn about these things that I do not know. There we know. go. There we go. <laughs> um, Otaku69 again says, Brandon, not Brett, autocorrect, still relevant. Oh. What was that you. about again? 
It's in the eternal record. He said, oh, oh okay. Brett Kavanaugh. He meant to say Brandon Brandon Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh. Yeah, I have no idea who Brandon who Kavanaugh is, is. So that would help in my search to uh, figure <laughs> out this piano incident. Okay. Uh, Fairy Mama Art says, uh, hey, Amelia, I'm so excited to catch my first live show. You helped open my eyes after being raised in a strictly liberal family. Oh, well, that's awesome. I, I try. Hopefully. I mean... You know, even if you didn't have your eyes open, I'm glad that you're here and that you're you're listening. Even better that you feel as though I've helped you in some way to uh, to see something new. So thank you so much. That makes my heart happy. We love it. Mm-hmm. Stuff my dude says, call me old school, but I put Ghostface Killer, Rakeem Nas, Mob Depp, and Mob Deep, and MF Doom over all these clowns. Today's mainstream rap is absolute trash. Okay. You like some old school, uh, old school stuff is cool too. Uh, my brother makes rap music as well, and he's very much into many of the old school rappers that you just mentioned, if not all of them. And I can understand that uh, old school rap is like a very different vibe to it. Although there are some uh, what we call new school rappers, I guess, who are really fantastic. I've been listening to like J. Cole, uh, Kendrick Lamar recently. Bars, bars actual poetry uh within their music and it's it's fantastic and when you just hear somebody who's so creative and puts things together so well uh you just can't you can't can't not acknowledge the talent so i'm gonna let you finish but heavy (laughs) duty mayo in the chat just says creed That's Maybe so I need funny. to do an episode on Creed Appreciation. Yeah, guys, put your favorite <laughs> musical artists in the chat uh, down below. I'd love to see what you guys are listening to or your favorite genres. That's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we didn't do the uh, Spotify wrapped this year. I guess we kind of did. Kind of we did. We went over we, it quickly. Yeah, yeah went over it pretty quick. Yeah. Did a whole video last year and it bombed, so people don't care. Yeah. <laughs> people Fair care enough. about their own music, not Yes, not Exactly. <laughs> uh, Nicole Vaughn says, Taylor will like this. My dad always says, uh, music is like candy. You throw them rappers away. <laughs> I like Chance, though, too. Also homeschooling my kids right now. Never plan to, but it's wild out there. Wow, yeah, yeah. First of all, don't throw the rappers away. That's a funny dad joke, though. That is a funny dad <laughs> joke, though. Taylor will appreciate that uh, on multiple levels, that comment. Uh, <laughs> all day. Yeah. That's uh, good, and I'm glad you're more homeschooling. From Happy King. Yeah, we are. Um so you guys, so glad you guys are back. But yes, absolute W dad in that dating video. He picked a guy that has the right qualities, but not the best looking or Riz. Yeah, I mean, if if you if the girl is not, you know, into the guy or that was not the one that she was going to choose, you're it's not going to do too well. You don't want somebody who just rizzes up your dad to date him, you know, <laughs> hopefully you have it's like an the equal, olden times where the dad chooses right you want an equal level of riz with both dad and daughter and he just did not have that she did not seem excited at all about the prospect of uh of dating that guy which you know she could be wrong and maybe she needs to be challenged and her have her mind changed a little bit but sometimes you what just can you to... do if you're the dad and you're like i think this man has the best values you gave me 20 to choose from and i'm picking this one like yeah. i can't really fault him but yeah. i know what you mean you gotta like the girl has to yeah, be feeling it on some. Be level. in tune with your daughter. Alas, mm-hmm. um, Anisha says hi. Great to see you back live. I'm just tuning in. We'll catch up tomorrow. Have a real problem now. Delivery boy is currently sending me creepy text. Want to report this guy, but he has my number and address. What would you do? Uh, go to the police. What do you mean? Definitely go to the police, girl. Uh, and file a report at the very least, or get a restraining order because that's crazy. And if he's just a delivery boy, 
that he's messaging you in this way. Um, very weird. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that right now on on the record that I'm telling you to go to the police because that is not yeah. normal behavior. Especially if you've yeah. expressed to him that you don't want him talking to you. Make sure you do that as well, uh, and be very direct and clear about that. Without being mean, because obviously you don't know what's gonna happen, but just be direct. Also, go to the police. So. Yeah, and get some pepper spray or a gun. Yeah, and a big dog. Get strapped, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, Celtic blacksmith says, "Amal, have you ever adventured into blues music? There's a low key uptick of new artists that sound great, but check out Junior Wells or Willie Dixon." I will have to check them out. No, I haven't really ventured into blues blues music that much. Not to say that I don't like it. Uh, if I hear some good blues music, I'm I'm into it. But I wouldn't say I know any like super specific artists or know too much about the genre. So yeah, I'll look into that. Yeah, I love me some blues. It's mm-hmm. a good suggestion. Thank you. Um, Lila A says, I joined very late and don't have anything to add here, but it's my birthday. And I wanted to thank you both mm-hmm. for entertaining and educating me this year. Love you guys in a non-parasocial way. Aw, happy birthday. <laughs> so glad you're spending some of your birthday time with us. And I hope and you're money. having a good day. Yeah, <laughs> and money. My goodness, you're giving us money on your birthday, girl. <laughs> messed up uh, that is a little messed up but uh we are so appreciative of you and thank you so much for spending your little special day with us happy birthday happy birthday lila mm-hmm. thank you um timothy says hey guys i've been watching y'all for years now i really appreciate your more moderate perspective on things because i'm a gay conservative hey you're welcome here and uh yeah we try we try to keep our views uh, moderate, even if they're, you know, right, hell, left, hell, doesn't matter. We're going to give them to you moderately. <laughs> we don't want to be, uh, we never want to be too abrasive on this channel. And all are welcome to uh, to listen and, and go back and forth with us. Yeah, another bunch of y'all is your first Super Chats today. Thank mm-hmm. y'all for participating. We'd yeah. love to hear from you. And I think that was our last one. Oh, that's uh, a wonderful today. note to end today's show on. Guys, thank you so much for watching. I'm so happy to be back. We're going to see you tomorrow with a video about Apple Vision Pro, the little headset that's now all over the place. And people are, you know, wearing them in the street and on the subway and Casey Neistat's running around New York with them. I'll give you my thoughts on that. Although I'm sure if you know me, you can guess how I feel about this VR headset. But wait in, wait and tune in tomorrow. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So make sure you go in the comments. Let me know how you feel about it. And with that, that is the end of our show. If you liked this video and you had some fun time with us today, please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we're live, which is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. Plus, we post videos for you guys every single day. If you disagreed with anything we said in today's show, duke it out in the comments down below, but do so respectfully. And with that, I am going to see you guys tomorrow. Very, very happy to be back. Bye, guys.